Well, hello there, everyone. Today, I am sitting in my car again. It is snowing. Well, no, it snowed last night. We got about three inches, I don't know. The news said we were supposed to get three inches, so we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. So it's pretty cold and I'm sitting in my car, so I've got the heat on. If you can hear this like really weird whiny noise, that's what that is. Last, no, it was not last night. It was two nights ago. I watched the very last episode of Criminal Minds, which, what are we in? Season 14, 15? I think it's 14. It might be 15. I'm not even sure. It was the series finale and I have a lot of thoughts. First things first, welcome to the CRF podcast, the show where I become unhinged for just a short period each week, except this week we're a little bit more in check. We'll keep things more in check. This this should be a more civilized, less, less weird episode, okay? I am your beloved host, Asia. Now let's get started, shall we? At first, I wasn't completely sure how I felt about the final two-part episode, but I'm not going to talk about the first part of the two-part episode. I'm going to talk about the second part of the two-part episode because that's what I really count as the last episode, even though they kind of like put these together as the last two episodes to be just one final episode. But it all came together as I laid in the bed and I thought about it. I was like, how do I feel? How do I feel? And I think what bothered me the most about this episode is that it never really felt like truly an authentic Criminal Minds episode. It was forced almost, fake and rushed and pitifully unresolved. <laughs> but if, <coughs> if you haven't seen the episode yet and you do plan on watching it, turn away now. This is your one and only warning. There are spoilers that lie ahead. Okay. Um, to me though, the fact that it was unresolved was what made the last few moments of the episode even more precious and I think that no I don't think that any episode could have fully wrapped up all 14 or 15 seasons of this bad boy into a neat little package because there's just so much to put together if you get what I'm saying there's so much to put together and so it's always hard for a show series finale to completely wrap up every loose end and make the whole thing feel like it's resolved and I've seen a couple of shows that have done pretty pretty bad jobs of that <laughs> um, we're looking at you Game of Thrones but yeah I, I don't think that any episode could have really wrapped this up perfectly so I'm trying to say this in a nice way I don't, I'm not blaming them for having, I think, what was a lackluster episode. And I might be the only one in that boat. Other people who saw it might have said, oh, that was phenomenal. That was fantastic. I didn't care for it that much. But anyway, so why after such good and consistent writing did, do I think that this episode dropped the ball? I think because it had no uh, natural ending, it just, it, it ended a little weird. Okay, so yes, Garcia is leaving and... Um, to be honest with you, I didn't see that coming until like the last two episodes when they started to talk about it. But like, I never suspected that the whole Rossi retirement thing was actually like a red, what do you call it? A red herring. I think that's what you call it. And that really it was going to be Garcia who was leaving the show. Well, the team, cause they don't think they're in a show. <laughs> uh, but I'll get to that in a minute, okay? What I'm actually saying is that the BAU team is still pretty much intact. They only have one person leaving and they brought that up because they were trying to figure out if who Spencer 
was going to leave the group or was it JJ or somebody anyway somebody else was supposed to leave like Emily was supposed to become director of the FBI or something like that JJ was supposed to take over as the team unless she went to New Orleans where her husband is from and I think Reed was like dying so they were trying to figure out if he was coming back or not but anyway after all that was settled it was discovered that Garcia was the only one who was planning on actually actually leaving the team and so with the core group being you know basically the same I was trying to figure out what about it was so different than anyone else leaving like okay for example the core group has been down a few members before and this isn't this isn't the first time that someone has left and it left like a huge sting like Garcia is obviously very important she's been there from the start she's a very integral part of that the BAU she is she does she plays a really important role that literally no one else can do in the team it's just her uh, she's very savvy in what she does she's very knowledgeable she's very smart witty and she does the job better than anyone that I can think of honestly so yeah of course that's going to hurt but think about it M Morgan Hotch Gideon and others uh temporarily Emily we tend to forget people like Elle and Dr. Blake and Steven but why did Penelope get this much fanfare like they were destroyed and that's what they ended the show off of they could have ended the show uh, um a long time ago when other people were leaving like for example when Hotch and Morgan left at the same time that could have very well been an ending of the show but it wasn't um and, and instead they ended on Penelope leaving so I was trying to figure out what about that exactly is what what would make that a good end oh you know what I did not turn my phone down haha -ha, give me a, give me a second okay what about that would make a good ending because like I said she's not the first person to leave and so that's why I think number one this didn't feel very natural why would the show end in a way that felt like it, any other episode it could have been any other episode this could have been an episode like at the beginning of the season and it would have felt it would have felt the same and so because this wasn't really that big of a deal that's why I appreciated how they ended the episode and they ended it like yeah she's leaving she's a part of our family but we still have a job to do we still have to move on it wasn't anything completely devastating and that's why I have concluded that I kind of sort of am okay with the dry weird ending um, I thought that they were going to end it like really cheesy with that party scene without they were all laughing and dancing and hugging and having a grand old time right but that would be stupid okay because like as like I said uh, she is not the first person to leave so it felt completely natural for her to just walk out of the room shut off her monitors and and that was it like that's the end of the episode what does she do turn on the light or something like that yeah that it was natural that way because there should not have been a huge fanfare over Penelope leaving but then again even though there shouldn't have been a huge fanfare over Penelope leaving, this episode should have been way more emotional than it was. I should have felt like Criminal Minds ended. But instead, it feels like any other episode. And so that's why I'm like divided on the episode. I like the way they ended it since they decided to take the whole Penelope Garcia is leaving route. I like that they didn't end it with much fanfare, but I would have preferred for them to have not taken the Penelope Garcia is leaving. And that's the reason we're ending the show. Uh you know type approach even though like you know she wasn't actually leaving in real life and that's not why they descended 
decided to end the show that's just what it felt like because that's the storyline that they went with so yeah we love we lose we move on but anyway now that i've kind of covered a little bit of that why i didn't like that let's talk about everett lynch and then we'll get into some other parts of the episode that i didn't care for so much so everett everett's death was iconic really it was I don't remember anyone else going out <laughs> in that way in the history of that show. I could be very wrong. There are so many episodes, and I know I've seen them all, but it's been such a long time since I've gone back and just rewatched the whole thing. As a matter of fact, this isn't really a show that I can go back and, and watch, like older episodes. I have before, but for the most part, I don't do that. And I can with some other shows, but this one in particular I never really liked going back and looking at old episodes just because the dynamic of the show has changed so much every time that we have like a switch in the cast or you know the team itself the dynamic changes like the way that the group functions changes and it takes me a while to get used to those changes so uh like for example if Hotch was still here then Emily wouldn't have been in charge and it just it would have been like a whole thing I don't know how to how else to explain it other than I would have had to just get used to that that whole dynamic all over again take a shot every time I say the word dynamic <laughs> so yeah I don't go back and watch those which is why I do not remember every single death that has ever happened but I do feel like Everett's death was iconic because it was huge really he's been a part of the episodes for so long now just like even episodes that I didn't even think should have anything to do with him they still like try to slip him in there and make him into this like really big bad villain thing because I knew I guess that they knew that this was going to be in game that he was going to be the final criminal minds villain why am I saying villain like this is a superhero show <laughs> but like just bad guy you know he was going to be the final bad guy that they would all face together as a team as that team because like I said it still goes on it's not like this is ending the show is ending but the BAU is still moving forward so yeah it makes sense that they would have this be the big bad villain he's the one that has tortured Rossi the most which you know I really like that storyline because Rossi is just such a grounded character it was nice to see him like get rattled just a little bit because it makes him more human you know this is a tough job and Rossi's been through a lot in his life he's had what is he on like his fourth marriage <laughs> I mean he's been through a whole lot in his life so I was glad to see him feel a little bit more real realistic because it was starting to feel like Rossi's character was just superhuman like he didn't have anything affect him he was just Rossi you know he just and you know what, there were moments over the years where Rossi's character did get a little shaken up, but it never really felt as natural as it did with this. I kind of wish I could go back and watch that moment where Everett died all over again just <laughs> for the first time. Because there's nothing, like you can always go back and rewatch something, but there's nothing like the very first time that you see something. Like, you know, the very first time that you see something on a TV show that's really funny, you can go back and laugh at it again, but it's never going to hit you quite the same way that it did the first time. So that's what I really would like to do because it, it hit me. It was so strange and cathartic just to watch him blow up. <laughs> um, 
I love how JJ took action so quickly and she burnt that man to a crisp in the cleanest, most perfectly sanitized way. What a way to go, honestly. It just, it happened so fast and he, you like, you didn't even leave time for him to escape. There was no other option. He had to have been dead. But yeah, it was just cool because it all came full circle. He offed his mama in a fire. What do you do? I think he like, what he like broke the gas line or something and then he lit the place on fire with a gunshot and then it just blew up. And he disposed of at least two women in a furnace. I don't know how many women <laughs> in total he killed um, and then like burnt them. I think he killed them first because he took their face and then he he would burn them or whatever. I don't I don't even know. That guy was weird. Which, if that's the case, if Sweeney Todd has taught me anything, it can't smell all too pleasant. And that's actually how Sweeney Todd got caught. Like, the woman across the street noticed the horrible smell of crispy human. And uh, she was like, hey, you're killing people. And then he, you know, he killed her too. And that was that. But uh, anyway, after JJ blew up the infamous BAU jet, left me feeling odd in a way that I don't usually feel odd after watching an episode. The thing is that whenever an unsub meets his or her ultimate demise, even if that person was horrible, I get sad. Like, for example, a few episodes ago, Reed shot this guy, I think it was Reed anyway, who was utterly delusional utterly delusional he had been chopping up body parts and stringing them to a tree and he um uh, by the way this was the tree at which his parents conceived him and so he was oddly obsessed with that and he wanted to recreate that with the woman that he met at a bar she was the bartender and he was like oh you have to come with me to see this tree it's so beautiful and she was like go away you creep He's like, no, you gotta come with me, and whatever. Anyway, Reed had to shoot him, and afterwards, JJ, I think it was JJ anyway, consoled him in saying that, you know, it was never going to end any other way. And I feel, I felt the same way that Reed felt, even though I wasn't the one to end his life. I just wish it could have, the whole thing could have gone another way, not just the fact that he got killed, but the fact that he even, like, all of that all of the things that led up to him becoming, you know, crazy and to him end up dying, you know, I wish all of that could have been different. <clears throat> it's not about justice or the death penalty or like self-defense or whatever. Like it has nothing to do with that. It's really just me wishing the whole thing had played out differently and that the world wasn't as messed up as it is. But whenever it died, I didn't feel that same sadness. It was numbness really. I didn't feel a thing. It wasn't like a, ha, he got what he deserved, and it wasn't like a, oh man, he died, you know, it's terrible, he was a bad person, but I was kind of hoping they would just put him in jail and leave him there, you know, it was none of that, it was just, oh, he's dead now. And that's what's so dangerous about the job to me, eventually you get to a point where it becomes nothing to you. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, you're in physically... You are physically in danger quite often, but now I mean like it's dangerous in a psychological and mental way because someone in that profession has to find that emotional balance. If you care too much, 
then you let it get to you like it did Garcia and all the blood and the gore and the, like the victims and all of that stuff like it got to her but then if you don't care enough you could end up a sociopath like Everett and the deaths are just casualties to you you don't care like it just it doesn't even affect you death becomes nothing to you it's just death you know and that shouldn't ever be the case and you cut you can't like stuff down those emotions and pretend like they don't exist or you'll end up suffering like Rossi did and all of a sudden it just like blew up Oop, the snow fell and it scared me uh, it just blew up in the end where he was just so what it I can't remember exactly how he worded it I can't remember exactly how he worded it but basically Rossi just let all of his emotions get stuffed down until he had said something one time about not ever not ever have having been affected by the stuff that was going on around him and so he thought he was immune to it and then all of a sudden it happened to him and it just threw him off guard because he didn't think that it could affect him it was like a PTSD of some sort but having been left alive after Everett you know, he and Everett had gotten into this showdown, and Everett was Everett. I said Everett. <laughs> Everett was about to kill him, but he didn't kill him, and he ran away, and he let Rossi live. So Rossi just didn't understand that, and it gave him a PTSD of some sort to the point where he was obsessed with capturing Lynch, and it was crazy. But that's what I mean. I, for one, have always been someone who can't watch people beyond fire for example <laughs> there was this movie i watched when i was younger with my dad it was i i never remember the name of it and then i look it up and i'm like oh yeah that was the name <laughs> i think it was like city of dead city of evil the the dead city something like that it was an old black and white movie and it was about a witch and she was sacrificing young girls okay but she died Oh, her name was Elizabeth Selwyn, if that helps. <laughs> you can look her up. <laughs> Tell me the name of the movie. Uh, she was a witch. She died a long time ago. They burned her at the stake. And then she, her spirit lived on or whatever. It was really weird. And she decided to sacrifice young girls every now and then. It was so strange. But anyway, yeah, we watched her get burnt alive. And that was disturbing to me. So disturbing, in fact that I couldn't sleep for like the next four months. I would dream about that quite often at night and I uh, eventually just had to get over it by telling myself it's not real. It's not real, it, this didn't actually happen. <laughs> yeah, there have been like people burnt at the stake before but this particular story did not happen so we're good, like we can, we can chill now. She's not gonna come back and get me. Surprisingly enough, it wasn't the fact that she was sacrificing girls my age. <laughs> it was the fact that she had gotten burned alive that was scary to me. Also, in Game of Thrones, uh, if you haven't seen that, then I suggest you go not watch it. <laughs> but yeah, spoiler alert, this is an old episode. So anyway, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, like skip ahead five minutes. Um, Shireen, the little girl... Who was who who was she like Stannis's daughter I think 
I don't know. There were two of them. There were two brothers. I, no, she wasn't Renly's daughter. She was Stannis's daughter. And she, she got burnt at the stake. She was a child. She was like nine years old. And he burnt her. Her father burnt her alive so that he could become king. And didn't even become king. So that was stupid of him. And it was at the request of the Red Woman. Melisandre. The, what did she call herself? The Lord of Light. No, she wasn't the Lord of Light. She was a priestess for the Lord of Light. Who was probably just some like fire demon in all honesty. Because that's what she worshipped. She worshipped fire. And it never did her any good. <laughs> it kept her it kept her like youthful looking for a very long time. Because she had this like weird necklace looking thing. She was like Mother Gothel from Tangled. Wasn't, it, wasn't her name Mother Gothel? See, I get so confused. I watch so many movies and TV shows that they all just blend together. But she actually kind of reminds me of Mother Gothel. They all have this like long dress, long hair, weird face <laughs> kind of thing going on. Like, let's be youthful forever. That's their whole thing. But um, what was I even saying? Oh, yeah, I can't watch people burn. I just can't. It's even so bad that when Anakin burnt up in Revenge of the Sith, I was destroyed. I was absolutely destroyed. Even though he had just gone on a killing rampage himself and had just choked his wife and was like fighting his master who he saw as a dad slash brother. At one point he was like, the Obi-Wan's the father I never had. And another point I think he said he was like my brother. Whatever. Anyway, they were close. Okay. They, they had known each other for a very long time and they were fighting and it, you know, even though he had just done all of that stuff, I still really, really could not watch him. As, like, as painful as it was to Obi-Wan, it was like three times as painful to me to watch that scene and to see him just like screaming in pain and, and burning. I don't know. I couldn't watch it, okay? But I could watch Everett's death. Like, that didn't bother me, even though we didn't actually see him go up in flames. Just knowing that the flames engulfed him like that, that normally would have bothered me, and it didn't bother me. And so that's actually what bothers me, the fact that it didn't bother me, if that makes sense. I know I just went on a rant here, but I never want to get to the point where I'm numb to something like someone being lit on fire. Even someone as murderous and evil as Lynch was, I never want to get to that point. And so that's kind of why uh, it's a good thing. I say that it's a good thing that I never went into the whole like forensic investig forensic what do you call it forensic investigation I don't know I can't think of it right now but like that whole thing so like the CSI criminal minds all of that like it's not quite the same thing but that whole like crime genre that thing okay when I was younger I used to watch these types of shows all the time I used to watch CSI Miami I think I don't know which one I used to watch it wasn't I don't think it was a regular CSI, but it was one of the CSIs in particular. There was only one that I liked, and it had Eva LaRue in it, if that helps. Someone go look that up for me. The ice keeps falling off my car, and it's scaring me. <laughs> it's the one with Eva LaRue in it. That's the one I used to watch, if that is CSI. I know that she was in something that I watched that was crime-oriented. Uh, I don't even know. I'm so frazzled right now. <laughs> 
But yeah, I used to watch these shows all the time and it made me want to go into some sort of vaguely similar profession. Like I want to see the bad guys and I want to catch them all. Like some weird version of a Pokemon trainer, which is funny that I'm using that analogy because I actually don't even know what Pokemon trainers do. I've never played that game or seen the show a day in my life. Never. So I don't even know what they do. I hope I use the analogy right. But seriously, I wanted to catch them all. I wanted this to be like pew pew i'm the cowboy no not the cowboy i'm the what is it on tombstone like doc holiday and um wyatt earp and verge and morgan virgil i think that was his name they were all like pew 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 and we're gonna catch the cowboys they're bad people we're good guys they're bad guys let's catch them all it was that kind of thing i always wanted to go into that profession but then again i've wanted to go in several different professions I've also wanted to be a lawyer so I could argue with people I also wanted to be a chemist so I could mix things together you can see like <laughs> how the brain of a child works I just I had one very specific thing that I wanted to do and I had like no idea about the actual job itself I just wanted to do that one thing I wanted to be an engineer so I could build things and I didn't even know that engineering required math which I hate so you know that didn't work out I wanted to be an astronaut I wanted to be a pilot I still want to be a pilot I wanted to be a teacher I wanted to be everything but one of the things that I wanted to be was somebody who caught the bad guys so I'm glad I never I never got into that whole thing just because it's it seems like it could get old really fast uh I think that the cases would start to bother me kind of like Garcia because I am a very empathetic person and I don't want to see people get hurt I don't want to hear and be around a lot of negative things like that so it worked out for the best Let's get into what I didn't like about the episode. Some other things. Well, for starters, I don't think that the stakes felt high enough. Everett had Rossi's wife, Crystal, at one point, which should have felt like a big deal. He shot an FBI agent, security guard guy, and already had the security detail like outfit, and he had the little little wire thing that the little spirally wire thing that's like connected to his ear. He had the badge. He had the gun. He had all of that stuff. Um, he was already prepared to do what he knew Rossi was going to do. If that, <laughs> that made no sense. But basically, he knew that Rossi was going to figure out that uh, Lynch would be after his family. So he was going to call security detail. So the security detail, who was incredibly bad at his job, actually, got killed and... Lynch was able to take that guy's place and stay with Crystal, Rossi's wife. But it never felt like a big deal. Crystal handled herself very well, but honestly, it never even felt like she was truly in danger. So I want to be proud of her and say, you know, good job for keeping your composure. But then again, like, it never felt like she was really in danger. So should she have not been able to keep her composure? I don't know. Like, it just, it felt very forced, very fake. Like, it just wasn't realistic i think they were trying to resolve the storyline a little too quickly so i feel like they should have focused on the whole everett lynch thing in the first part of the episode of the two-part episode and then just use the second part of the two-part episode to focus on like wrapping up the show and not trying to like resolve the whole everett lynch storyline in the first half of the last part of the two-part episode <laughs> I got dog tired there, I got confused. But it was like they took the first half of that 
and they said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna just make all of the action happen in this part, and then the last part will focus on, you know, the emotional stuff, which didn't really work in my opinion. And then let's deal with the whole, like, how he let her go. So he got in the plane with Rossi. He traded Rossi for Crystal because Rossi begged him to, and he put Rossi in handcuffs and stuck him on the plane and then got in the pilot seat. Okay, so the first thing is, I don't know if the plane had bulletproof glass, but it didn't make sense to me because they were, okay, so when he was taking, he when, when he was pulling Rossi into the plane, I, it was either Luke Alves or Matt Simmons that said, I don't have a clear shot. Let's just pretend it was Luke. He was like, I don't have a clear shot, okay? And something in Luke, okay, whenever he decides to get in the pilot seat, shoot him then. Because he's not going to have Rossi in the pilot seat with him. He's going to put him in a, in a different spot. So, like, it's it's still going to work out. You can still shoot him. But Everett went and he put Rossi in a part of the plane by himself. Instead of putting him in the cockpit with him so that he could, like, keep his eye on him, you know that this is an FBI agent. You know, he can, he can probably figure out how to get himself out of there. <clears throat> which Rossi did. He didn't check Rossi for anything. He had Crystal pat Rossi down. That's ridiculous. How did you not check him yourself to see the weapons were there? So there were just so many irrational decisions made by Lynch in that one moment, which didn't fit in with his character because Lynch was somebody who had uh, evaded the officers so many times and just been like really witty and smart to get out of situations that he never should have been able to get out of so it just didn't make sense for him to make these dumb decisions at the last minute unless they were trying to make it look like he was panicking and he was what is the word devolving maybe like he was I don't know like he was just spiraling out of control because he was starting to panic I guess that's what I'm basically trying to say and Rossi was able to basically get away, get out of the plane, and then Everett was going to try to just take off anyway. Did they not, did he not think that they were going to just shoot the plane down? That was so weird. And so then they shot the fuel tank, and then JJ shot a flare gun at him, and he burnt to a crisp. So, it just, I don't know, the stakes never really felt high enough. It never really felt like Rossi was in danger. It never felt like Crystal was in danger. It never felt like this was the last episode of Criminal Minds. The stakes just weren't high enough. And then, don't even get me started on the whole Spencer thing. Okay, I love Spencer. And we're going to get into that in a little bit uh, later in the episode about why Spencer Reed was such an excellently written character. I love Spencer. I would I would die for Spencer. <laughs> He's just a total sweetheart. Really is. But I wouldn't have minded seeing him die in this episode. Because here's the thing. Spencer was lying on the floor for hours with internal bleeding in his brain. Nobody knew he was on the floor. He was... Like you said, he was bleeding from his brain. That's not a very non-serious thing that's very critical you can't just quickly recover from that that's something that you need to immediately be treated for or so i thought but apparently you can just lie on the floor overnight and and bleed and have internal bleeding in your brain and it doesn't matter because as soon as when they pick you up and they take you to the hospital they just run a few tests and then wow you're, you're good you can you can speak <laughs> you talk to your mommy and you can you're just fine 
I don't know. He, he was having seizures, so it's not like they weren't showing anything happening to him. But again, it just didn't feel like the stakes were high enough. They never really allowed him to have actual consequences. So, yeah, he, he just survived an explosion. That makes sense. He goes home. He's bleeding from his nose. He gets a little stressed out because he realized that Lynch is still alive. And he falls on the floor and he, and he starts bleeding from his brain. It, it, all I'm saying is there should have been actual consequences to that. But it never really felt like Spencer was in trouble. It never felt like he was going to die. They took him to the hospital. And after he had a couple of seizures, he opened his eyes. And he was fine. And he started talking to his mother. It, you see what I'm saying? It just doesn't feel like they were trying to actually do anything heart wrenching or you know to grip you with this episode emotionally it just felt like this was placated nonsense i don't think i used that word right placated yeah whatever you get what i'm saying the word i was trying to use i think was like just plastic it felt very fake not authentic it just felt like they were trying to put something in there at the last second that wasn't really going to stick i don't even know who directed that episode i need to check because i'm pretty good at like figuring out who directed an episode by just watching it and I'm like oh you know what that's this person who wrote this that's this person who directed this I just like I get their work I know their work is what I'm trying to say uh more than the the average person would know it but I legitimately have no idea who wrote this episode <laughs> I just want to have a talk let's talk about it okay so Reed it did take him over a month or no, I don't think it took him over a month. I took it exactly, it took him exactly a month to get back to work. But again, I would have liked to see them explore deeper into what it means to have survived an explosion and how that might affect your job and how he might have to, see, this is what I'm talking about. The show ended basically just because Garcia was leaving. It should have ended with multiple people doing different things like the BAU team is dissolving it's not staying the same and that's why the show is ending that would make much more sense than everything stays the same but Penelope Garcia is leaving and so now the show's over it should have been Rossi was retiring because the whole PTSD thing Emily is getting a she's becoming the director of the FBI JJ's moving to New Orleans to be with her husband and his family because he misses his family and uh, what else did I just say? Oh, Reed can't physically work his job in the FBI like he used to anymore because he suffered brain damage. That would be fan-freaking-tastic. Garcia is what, um, she can't handle the blood, guts, and gore anymore, so she wants to take an easier job, one that still lets her use her skills, but that has just less violence. Would have been perfect. So who's that leave us with? Tara and Luke and Matt. Okay, they didn't even get any like good storylines. <laughs> they just dissolved. Oh my god, and that just brings me to the next part. But hold on, okay. So Luke, at some point in this episode, they randomly were, were like, "Oh yeah, Lisa broke up with me. It wasn't working out, or something like that." And so they they were using that as the setup for Garcia and Luke to get together. Who wrote that? Whose idea was that? That was no bueno. That was totally no bueno. Absolutely not. At no point did their playful banter feel like there was some like romance hidden in that. It totally just felt like playful banter. Garcia was never... 
Okay. Get, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Garcia and Morgan's relationship. Let's like talk about that for a second. They had like the sweetest friendship ever. It was, it was soft and like close to being romantic, but it never was romantic. It was just like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just, it was so beautifully orchestrated and written and it felt authentic. You could feel the love in between those two characters that they have for each other, which is one of the reasons why I really hated when Morgan left because the whole dynamic of the show changed again. And I guess they felt like they had to recapture that and give that same thing to someone else, but in a kind of a different way because they couldn't give someone else exactly what Morgan had with her that would just feel like they were just you know duplicating it and doing it all over again like fan service but they had to kind of like switch it up a little bit and which is why I like the way that they handled the whole Luke Alves situation with Penelope Garcia because it just felt like you know she was like oh the newbie's here and you know he's kind of irritating he thinks he's all that he's kind of attractive so you know can't let him know that <laughs> that he is so she was just bantering with him playful banter but it never felt like there was any hidden romance in that you never any saw you never saw any of that so i guess uh, i'm just getting frustrated i just don't like how it was written i'll leave it at that okay i think that the penultimate episode had much more higher stakes which kept it feeling more authentic and when i say penultimate i do mean the first part of the two-part episode not the episode before the two-parter episode it just felt like I said, it just felt more authentic. The stakes were higher. And I know that I just praised that anticlimactic nothing of an ending that the show had, but it actually would have been nice for them to have ended on a quote. For example, uh, a few weeks ago, they did an ending that was really, really solid. I loved it. It was trying to explain the whole... Um, what was it? Was it the... It wasn't Rusty. I don't think it was Rusty. It was... I think it was the guy that I was just talking about who was stringing up body parts to the tree because he was obsessed with the tree that his parents had conceived him under. That's so strange for me to even say that. But <laughs> he was obsessed with that tree and I think he had written some like tapes. Like Hannah... What's her name? Hannah Baker from 13 Reasons Why. I think he had left some like tapes or something and sent them out and so they were listening to Tara was deciphering them and trying to figure out like his whole motive and his intentions and plans because they couldn't ask him because Reed shot him and killed him so they were trying to like just get more into his head and figure out why he was doing the things that he was doing and so they were playing his voiceover like the tapes what she was listening to as other things in the episode happened as like Rossi was talking to who was it Luke it was either Luke or Matt I think it was Matt he was talking to someone about how he was feeling and all of that stuff and then they ended it on a Ted Bundy quote which was so creepy and I looked up the quote and people are saying that's not actually a quote like they mix two or three different quotes together but it was it was so 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 very creepy and it just it felt like a Criminal Minds episode because you know quotes are such a huge part of the Criminal Minds uh show <laughs> it's such a huge part of the show there's every time they show them in a jet when they're like transitioning a scene or something they'll have somebody voice over a quote and they end the show sometimes in quotes too i love that why did they not end this the very last episode in a quote i don't get it for the life of me why would you not end it in a quote why would you not wrap it up with something really strange and like 
chilling and soothing all at the same time why would you not do that i don't understand it could have even been about family you could have just had a quote about like how family even though you break apart in separate ways you're still all together i don't know something cheesy it would have been better than just to turn off the light and end the show and roll the credits i just don't get it sorry i just don't get it and so now there are a few last things that i want to just bring up about the show first of all i know i said i was going to talk about why reed is one of the best written characters ever in the history of just tv shows itself i don't know who wrote most of reed's character i don't even know if matthew was his name matthew gray googler i think his last name is googler i don't know how much he had involved himself into the process of creating reed's character but i will say this whoever wrote this character i applaud you because you are an absolute genius you really are so you've got this like freaky genius guy with the photographic memory and i think they relied less on that photographic memory as time went on <laughs> but uh yeah he remembers everything that he reads and there's a term for that that i cannot think of but it's crazy and i think that that was an excellent thing to put in the show because it set us up for learning more about a guy who was always very socially awkward and i don't know if they actually said this or not but i did read somewhere that he had asperger's i think but like or some form of autism but it was like not the autism that where you have like a low iq i want to be sensitive here because i don't want to say the wrong thing i don't know much about the subject but i i do if i'm not mistaken i do believe that it's he had such a high iq that it put him down a few levels socially where he was he was too smart for his own good if i can just put it like that um and having that much knowledge really just mm, he was just he was just slower to get some other things because he was quicker in some areas so it like balanced itself out if i can say it like that just to be <laughs> just not to say the wrong thing and offend someone uh yeah so we basically saw him grow up when he first started the show he was very socially awkward uh he didn't really socialize much with other people he had very few friendships if any friendships and the best friendship that he had was with morgan which is why morgan's son i think his name was like hank spencer morgan or something like that yeah, he named his son, his son's middle name after Reed. I love that. It was just so beautiful because you could see like the genuine friendship budding in those two people. And you could see how his character was just relating to other people and his friendship with JJ. So it was just so beautiful. And then you see like the different tragedies that have occurred in his life. You see how his relationship with his mother changed when she because she was um, having some health issues and him having to take care of her basically all his life has put him in a place where he doesn't even know how to take care of himself. Uh, then there's like the relationships that he's had, the romantic relationships that he's had. There was that one episode where he made out with that girl in the pool, <laughs> which everybody was like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, Reed had that in him. But then, okay, so then there was Maeve. I think that's how you say her name. There was Maeve. And that story, oh my goodness, it's such a tragic but beautiful story because it built Reed into the person that he is today. 
but you like you wish that it hadn't happened because it was so horrible so reed and mave they were like the perfect couple for each other she was just like it was almost as if someone had handcrafted mave just for him and him just for her because they were just they were they were the same person they really were um and then she died tragically and he felt like it was his fault like he couldn't save her and things like that so it <clears throat> It caused him to have to grow up in a way that he hadn't had to grow up before. And then there were several times where things, bad things happened to him in the course of his career, like when he got drugged <laughs> and um, he got addicted to drugs and he had to overcome that thing. And then there was the whole cat thing. I love, just a few episodes ago, they had that whole thing with, I think her name was Cat, and it was Ari Plaza who played that character. And I, by God, that was one of the, best episodes I have ever seen of a show in history it was the one where she was trying to have a date with Reed but we're not gonna get into that but basically what I'm just trying to say is he's gone through so many different things that developed him as a character so he's had like probably one of the best character arcs in the show if not the best character arc in the show I will say that I think he did have the best character arc in the show because by the end of the show he had become a completely different person but he was still the same lovable Reed that we all knew and loved from season one all that time and that's how you write a character you change them so that they're still recognizable they're still them but they become a better version of themselves that's what I love about that and then at the end I love the fact that he found a new relationship but they're taking it slow like they didn't make them get married or anything out the box like right away um with that girl max so i love that they ended up giving him another person to grow they gave him another chance to start over love it wonderful also the last thing i'm going to say about reed is that i think he was one of the best profilers there a lot of them were very good at profiling i mean that was their job their literal job was to profile people but the way that reed's mind works is that he was able to put connections together that most people would not have been able to put together and so i think his profiling skills were just out of the park okay all right so the next thing i want to talk about is emily as a director of the fbi and jj as a leader of the bau so what they were trying to say was that they were putting up they were offering emily a chance to run for the role of director of the fbi she would have been the first female director of the fbi in the history of the fbi which would have been cool i like emily as a leader i think that a lot of people didn't like emily as a leader uh for several reasons when it first happened one because she had been gone before too because they were so used to Hotch and you know having him uh what's that I can't think of his real name I think his name is Aaron or something um having him being fired from the show no his first <laughs> his character's name is Aaron Hotchner I think his actual name is Thomas Gibson or something like that but after he was fired from the show, a lot of people were upset about that and so that's another reason why you know giving Emily a chance to lead was eh. <laughs> they were kind of iffy about it and three I don't think people liked Emily as a leader is because we didn't really know that much about Emily as a character I'll say Emily was not one of the more well-written characters uh at first she didn't really have an identity outside of just being a part of the BAU you didn't really get a sense of who she was and and so that's why I think it like it it didn't sit well with people when she first became a leader of the BAU 
but I liked Emily as a leader of the BAU. I was proud of her and I was saying, you know, you go girl, you like you kick butt, you lead this team. I like that idea. Um, but, and you know what? And a lot of people I will say liked her as a leader just because she was female. And I don't think that that has anything to do with it. And for me personally, I just enjoyed her character, seeing her develop and become more headstrong as a leader. I just think that that was a good idea. And had she been offered the job as director of the FBI and actually been allowed to keep it, then that would have been a good thing too. I think that that would have been interesting to see how she handled that because that would have brought about a different set of challenges that um, she would have never had to encounter had she just stayed leader of the BAU. But one thing that I will not agree with Emily on is why does she pick JJ as leader of the BAU? I, I don't get it. Okay, I don't really get it. JJ's never been, like, a leader-type person to me, in my opinion. Maybe to other people she did seem more like a leader. But in my honest opinion, JJ never really felt like she could handle running. And she did, like, a couple of times, I think she did. She was in charge of the team. But I didn't, you know, I never really liked it. I never really understood it. I never really got it. It didn't feel like it was her thing. There are some people who are born to lead and there are some people who aren't born to lead. And I feel like JJ is not one of those people who was born to lead. And that's not a bad thing because you have, if everyone was born to lead, then you'd have, you know, it would be chaos. It would be so chaotic because everybody's just doing their own thing. You have to have people who are born to follow and you have to have people who are born to lead. Everybody's got to have different strengths and weaknesses. So not to say that that's a bad thing about JJ. I just don't think that that would have been the wisest of choices to have her as leader of the BAU. I do think that there were more equipped people. I wouldn't have uh, I don't know if I would have given it to Rossi just because Rossi had become clouded in his judgment over the whole Everett Lynch thing that was really starting to to cloud his judgment uh, and he even defied Emily at one point when he was doing something related to the Everett Lynch case so that just tells you right there that he was he was not in the best position anymore even though he had like seniority <laughs> over a lot of people he was oldest he um had been there for a very long time uh, even though Reed and JJ and Garcia they had all been there since the beginning as well JJ didn't start off as a profiler on the team she started off doing a different job I think she was in charge of like media or something like that like controlling the the media I don't know she was in charge of something else that's all I can tell you uh, but I, I don't think that just because of his seniority that he should have gotten the position because I do think his vision, not his vision, his judgment was a little clouded. And then there's Reed. I don't, I also don't think that Reed would have been the right choice. I think he could have done it, but I don't think that the team would have been as strong under his, uh, under his leadership as it was under Emily's leadership just because he didn't seem to have that down packed either sort of like JJ they just Reed is not I wouldn't say that he's more of a follower than a leader I just say that I don't think he was equipped to or he would have even wanted to run the team I don't think he would have wanted to but I could be wrong about that too so that leaves me with a couple of other options out of those people I will say I think that Tara could have run I think that she could have run the team. She's a really stable character. She hasn't really had much, like, 
shake her <laughs> and she has made some very smart decisions i think that she could have run the team i also think that matter luke could have run the team as well i hope i'm not forgetting anyone i don't think i am but yeah i think that matter luke could have also run the team now there was that one time that garcia ran the team <laughs> it was so funny she was trying she knew that wasn't her forte though so yeah i just don't think that jj as leader of the bau would have been a very wise decision if she wanted another woman to take over the group she should have picked tara honestly tara tara lewis is her name tara tara i don't know she should have picked um dr lewis would have just made much more sense to me so yeah there's that and the final thing i want to say about the criminal minds legacy is just that it is what it is it is a legacy i think that this was one of the best shows to have been written some people may not agree with me they may have thought it was too predictable the too graphic uh, a lot of different opinions are out there about this show, but I do think that it managed to accomplish something that a lot of crime shows have not accomplished. And it made it, the team felt, it's not the job so much that seemed cool. And it, the job did seem cool, but it was more of the family relationship. They were so good at putting together a team of people that felt like a family they had such good chemistry such a good dynamic that uh you wanted to be a part of it and that's not something i've seen too much in other crime shows for example actually brooklyn 99 does a really good job of this too they have put the team together so well that you just it you want you might want the job but even more so you want to have that job with them if you get what i'm saying like when I watched CSI, I wanted that job just because I thought the job was cool, not because I thought that the job and those people were cool. Not that I wanted to specifically work with those people, but with Criminal Minds, I wanted to work in that group. I wanted to know them personally and to uh, to be a part of their particular team just because it was so well put together. And that's what I think the real Criminal Minds legacy is and why that show lasted as long as it did. And when they did remove characters, I think that they removed those characters because it didn't fit in with the ultimate vision that they had for that group. And so they would add and put together people until they got what they wanted, if that makes sense. So, yeah. That is basically everything that I wanted to say about Criminal Minds. I'm sorry if it sounded a little rambly <laughs> at times, but I tend to ramble when I write these episodes out because I don't plan out everything that I'm going to say. And I have so many thoughts in my mind that just want to pop out at the same time that I'm just like, oh, oh, ah, oh, you know, I want to want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. And I might get even like tongue tied because I, again, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to say so many different things at one time, but thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate everyone who comes out to listen. Why did I say come out? Like this is something you actually physically drove to. That doesn't even make sense. What am I talking about? See, that's why I know I need it in this episode now. <laughs> when I start to say dumb things, I know that it's time to wrap it up. Okay. So thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. See, what am I talking about? You know what? Before I say anything else stupid or awkward, goodbye. No, no, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> come back next Wednesday for more or Thursday or Friday. But just come back next week for more. And uh, I will see you then. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Completely Random Foolishness or on Twitter at CRF underscore podcast. Intro and outro music made by Eric Burwell, aka The Best Dad Ever.
And thanks for listening to this abysmal calamity I call a podcast.